0: Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Friday, March 11th. Coming up on the show today, what everybody should be rooting for in the SEC tournament and on Selection Sunday, we hear from Jeremy K. Gover and the one thing that Nashville Predators fans need to know about the Philip Forsberg contract negotiations. Nashville SC is back on the pitch on Saturday evening. But we begin with yet another giant roster decision from John Robinson and the Tennessee Titans. We, of course, are brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Make sure you check out their work. If you own a home and you're going to make any big decisions, it's pretty clear you need all the information. So talk to the folks at the Kingston Group. They are locally owned, they're award-winning, and they've been successful in Nashville for over a decade for a reason. That's the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com. Make sure you talk to them before you make any big financial decisions about your house. All right? Not only is the SEC tournament and selection Sunday this weekend, along with two huge Nashville Predators divisional games, all of which we will get to on the show today, but NFL free agency madness begins at noon on Sunday. There is always a flurry of roster churn that happens right before free agency. So far, the Titans have re-signed Harold Landry to a huge contract and passed out some small one-year deals to guys like T.R. Tart and wide receiver Nick Westbrook-Akineh. It also means clearing up cap space. And with the moves the Titans made on Thursday, the focus of getting younger and cheaper along the offensive line became crystal clear. The Titans parted ways with starting 12-year veteran Pro Bowl left guard Roger Saffold and right tackle Kendall Lamb. Moving on from Saffold will save the Titans $10.5 million on the salary cap. He still due a couple of million this season. And letting Lamb go gives the team $3.1 million worth of space as well. Saffold will be 34 this summer and started 46 games for the Tennessee Titans since signing his big contract three years ago. He's been a huge part of the Titans' blue-collar run-first physical identity on offense, and while this team had to get cheaper and younger along the offensive line, replacing his leadership and presence will not be easy. And there certainly are other cuts still coming on both sides of the ball as John Robinson continues to make moves to free up cap space for free agency. Taylor Lawan has long been rumored as a possible cap casualty because of his contract situation and the deterioration of his play due to injuries over the last few years. Additionally, both center Ben Jones and starting right tackle David Quisenberry are also free agents. If they cut both Saffold and Lawan and let Jones and Quisenberry walk, Robinson would be trying to flip four-fifths of his starting offensive line in one offseason. And the entire left side, Lawan, Saffold and Jones are huge pieces of the offensive identity that said he's already saved $14 million with the two moves and this unit gave up 47 sacks last year second most in the NFL more likely is that Robinson is trying to replace two or three pieces and maybe restructures Luan's contract or resigns Jones But with what will likely be really high-level interior offensive line options sitting there on the board when the Titans' first-round draft pick rolls around at 26, well, all bets for any offensive lineman on the roster are basically off at this point. I suppose with the exception of right guard Nate Davis, he's really the only O-lineman on the team guaranteed a spot as we head into free agency. All of this is probably for the best long-term for the Titans, as these guys are constantly hurt, aging, and very expensive. But it's going to take the fans a lot of time to get used to the new offensive front. Let's just hope it doesn't take a whole lot of time for Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill to get used to it. Well, we didn't have to wait for the weekend for the SEC tournament to get interesting as the Vanderbilt Commodores upset the Alabama Crimson Tide in what should have been no surprise to anyone anywhere at all. Jerry Stackhouse's team is now 17-15 and and no matter what happens on Friday is guaranteed to have a winning record overall in 2022. There is no way that you can convince me that Jerry Stackhouse's team has not shown massive improvement from year one to year two to year three. I am not suggesting that Jerry Stackhouse is a dominant force or will be able to recruit at a high enough level to maintain success in the SEC. But I do know that places like Vanderbilt Basketball, where they have some built-in advantages, where they could be good, like, let's say, Kentucky football. Well, patience is the right approach. And it doesn't even matter what happens over the weekend on Friday because outside of one other situation, which I'm going to explain to you in a minute, the Vanderbilt Commodores winning on Friday and any other time during the weekend is the number one story in the SEC. Again, outside of the other number one story that I'm going to tell you about in a second. The point is, no one should be surprised that Jerry Stackhouse beat Nate Oates on Thursday. As he said before the tournament, we're just focused on winning five straight. And I would not be surprised with a player like Scottie Pippen and that team, the way they play for their coach as hard as they play, would not be surprised if that team wins again on Friday and is playing on the weekend in the SEC tournament. On Friday in the SEC tournament, the real guys get started, of course. The top four seeds, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Auburn all in action on Friday. I guess the hope here is with as much separation from the top four and the rest of the conference, fans in general, SEC fans and fans of these teams just have to be rooting for Arkansas and Auburn on one side of the bracket and Kentucky and Tennessee on the other side. In fact, a rubber match between Kentucky and Tennessee is something that we should all be rooting for as sports fans because not only Is it going to decide a spot in the SEC championship game? But it also could decide a seed line for the Tennessee Volunteers. Kentucky is probably slotted in safely as a two no matter what happens to them unless they fall flat on their face on Friday. Same thing with Auburn as a one seed. They're probably slotted in as a one seed regardless of what happens unless, again, they fall flat on their face on Friday. If, any, if all of these teams make it to Saturday, Tennessee has a chance to maybe reach that two-line with a win over Kentucky and a game in the SEC Championship game. I think it's safe to say that the Tennessee Volunteers, again, barring a collapse on Friday, should be a three-seed no matter what. So if you're looking at, at, the, at the SEC and what you want to see this weekend in an SEC tournament, if you want it to be as valuable and as interesting and as fun as possible— You've got to be rooting for Kentucky and Tennessee on one half of the bracket on Saturday. You've got to be rooting for Arkansas and Auburn. And then if you go to Sunday, as long as it's Auburn-Kentucky or Auburn-Tennessee, I think you're going to get a spectacular SEC championship game on Sunday. Auburn and Kentucky, of course, played that great game down on the Plains. You've got Tennessee and Auburn. Tennessee with a win over the Tigers at home. They never played down... At Auburn, so Auburn would be looking for revenge there. So, a ton of drama this weekend in the SEC tournament building up to Selection Sunday. As again, I think you can expect Auburn as a one, Kentucky as a two, Tennessee as a three. I think that's the way you need to look at this weekend. And if it shakes out like that on Selection Sunday, I think all three teams can be very happy with what they've accomplished, not only this season, but in the SEC tournament. While I know Tennessee fans want to beat Kentucky, and certainly it creates more vitriol inside of me than almost any other sports matchup I watch. Just making sure that game takes place is the goal. I want all four of the best teams in the SEC to be playing on Saturday. Then it doesn't matter what happens on Saturday. I'm going to get something great on Sunday, and every single one of those teams is probably going to be seated very, very highly in the NCAA tournament. Should be a ton of fun. My pick is Kentucky. I think the Wildcats have been the best team in the SEC, with all due respect to Auburn, the entire season. I think Kentucky is going to end up going furthest in the NCAA tournament. I think they are a national championship contender. It is one of John Calipari's most experienced teams. And if this Tennessee team can take them down on Saturday, more power to them. I think it's going to be a great weekend. I wish the games were in Nashville because I think when Kentucky and Tennessee play in Nashville, and they're both very, very good, as we've seen, it is basically the best SEC basketball tournament games you'll ever watch. Unfortunately, it's in Tampa. Either way, Selection Sunday is here. The tournament is here. March Madness is here. It's going to be a ton of fun. Just no upsets on Friday, please. All right? Fresh off a critical win at home against the Ducks on Thursday evening at Bridgestone Arena, the Nashville Predators enter what could be the most important weekend of hockey of this entire regular season, with games against St. Louis and Minnesota on Saturday and Sunday. That's three games against playoff contenders in four days, a week before the trade deadline. And I asked Jeremy K. Gover on the Gold Standard Podcast, what is the number one thing that Nashville Predators fans need to consider about the Philip Forsberg contract negotiations?
1: The one thing that people need to understand is that it would be a gigantic mistake to keep him but not sign him by the deadline. Yes, he obviously makes your team better. We've talked about that a hundred times over. Philip Forsberg makes your team better. There's no question about that. But do you really feel like you're set up for a Stanley Cup final run this year? That's the question you have to ask yourself. If you feel like you are, then maybe you roll the dice. And another thing I'm worried about, by the way, quick aside, is that David Poyle is not getting any younger. And he's never won a Stanley Cup before. In all of his it was 40, 50, whatever it is, years as a general manager in this league, he's never won a Cup before. I'm not saying he would jeopardize the organization. I'm not saying that. But you do wonder if maybe he might push a little harder to acquire a Claude Giroux or a Phil Kessel or somebody like that to come in when it really might not matter at all, right? Anyway, long story short is they have to trade him if he's not signed by the deadline. They have to. It's irresponsible not to because of what you get back. We're not talking about a guy like a Ryan Johansson who, like, oh, yeah, he's having a good year this year. Look what you can get. This is a guy who over and over has proven that he can be a 65, 70 point player, that he can be as creative as the best of them, and who really is a linchpin in this offense. And so for me, huge mistake if they don't either re sign him, and if they can't do that, then they have to trade him for a King's Ransom. They have to do it.
0: That was Jeremy Gover on the Gold Standard podcast. If you want to hear a ton more about Philip Forsberg, the current standings this weekend, Ben Harper even got some love on the show. Make sure you check out the Gold Standard Podcast. The bottom line is, over the next four or five days, including two huge games this weekend, the Nashville Predators could do enough damage to themselves that trading Philip Forsberg is almost mandatory. On the other side, if they win a bunch of games over the course of the next week, it makes it a whole lot easier to maybe pull the trigger on signing a contract because you feel like you have a better chance to win right now with this team as it is currently constructed. I think Gover's right. It's a huge mistake not to have him signed or traded. One of the two. You either need to get him signed or you need to trade him. Either get the King's ransom and make your team better in the future because you don't have a chance to win a cup this year, or you better re-sign him because he's the best goal scorer on the roster. For me, anything less than Yossi, $9.059 million, six or seven years, under $9 million, that seems okay to me. Anything more than that, eight years over $9 million, I'm out on that trade the guy, get your King's Ransom, and continue to build this roster for a really strong next three to four seasons. Either way, this weekend will be massive for the Predators' playoff hopes with games in the division against the Wild and the Blues. Nashville SC will be on the road on Saturday against Dallas, 7-30 kickoff, their third match in a row to start the season on the road. Of course, their third of eight matches before the big brand new stadium is opened up on May 1st. And so far, Nashville SC two results in two really difficult road matches. Dallas so far does not have a win. They've scored one goal in two games. And of course, if Nashville can come away with yet another result, even if it's just a draw, you would argue that three consecutive road results would be an absolutely stellar way to start the third MLS season and build momentum into what is going to be a spectacular home schedule at that new stadium. I had a chance to tour it on Thursday and take a look at all the the bells and whistles and the new sod and the seats and it is a spectacular place it's going to be a spectacular place to watch matches you need to get your season tickets it's going to be a lot of fun I don't know where they're going to park cars but it's going to be a ton of fun for Saturday night's matchup against Dallas make sure you go swing by ML Rose we'll have another watch party out there full 40 sports as well as a couple of the supporter groups out there every single weekend watching Nashville SC soccer at ML Rose on 8th Avenue, right by the stadium, by the way. Good place to pre- and post-game once that bad boy opens up. For more information on the big match with Dallas and all things Nashville SC, make sure you're tuned into the Club and Country podcast with Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan everywhere you get your podcasts. The Four Forty is brought to you every single morning by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. It's Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. And oh, by the way, they're award-winning. So if you own a home and you're going to make a big decision – make sure you talk to the folks at the Kingston group. That's buildkg.com. Buildkg.com. Thank you guys all for listening. Enjoy the sec tournament. Enjoy the huge weekend of hockey. Enjoy another Nashville SC road match should be a ton of fun this weekend. Kick your heels up, have a cocktail, come out to the watch party at ML Rose on Saturday. If you want to have some really good craft beer and burgers, which of course is part of our corporate identity here at 440 sports, obviously, Enjoy Selection Sunday. We'll talk to you again on Monday. My name is Braden Gall. Check out the YouTube page. Check out all the social platforms as well. We really appreciate all of your support. Again, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been the 440 for Friday, March 11th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media. Written and produced by Braden Gall. Music by William Tyler.